This is the Sunday Messages podcast from Cedar Valley Unitarian Universalists in Cedar Falls, Iowa, and I'm your host, Kat Bean Hansen. Welcome, we're glad you're here. Today's message comes from our service on Sunday, November 12th, 2023. Our member Lynn Brandt gives the message, Why Honor Our Veterans? Yesterday, the 11th of November, was Veterans Day. This holiday, as Bob pointed out, started out as Armistice Day, celebrating the end of World War I, on the 11th hour, the 11th day of the 11th month. This was the war to end all wars, and we know how that turned out. Since that day in 1918, the United States has been involved in the Second World War, the Korean War, the Vietnam War, Iraq, and Afghanistan. The name changed from Armistice Day to Veterans Day to honor all veterans. We have among us past and present members of the CVUU who have served in the military. I am one. We also have and had folks in this congregation that were so strongly opposed to war and the military draft that during the Vietnam War, they fled the country or were willing to do so. That war created among some citizens a disdain of veterans who were forced to participate in that fight. Returning veterans were often treated with contempt. Some were spit on in the face and the like. That did not happen to me. Some of the people opposed to the military and the war in general might even object to this recognition of Veterans Day and the people who have served in the armed forces. Hmm. Might even object to this sermon. But you know me, I have no problem with that. In the spirit of the free-thinking tradition of Unitarian Universalists, I want to share some views on these matters. We can be a loving community without agreeing on every subject. There is nothing noble or desirable about war. War destroys and kills. It should be avoided. The war going on right now in Israel and Gaza demonstrates just how bad war is. Can there be anything worse than that for the innocent citizens of that area? Is there ever any justification for the killing and destruction that war brings? I claim that there are things worth fighting for. Let's consider the present war going on in Europe. Putin thought that he could take over the Ukraine in a matter of days and bring into the fold of the former human, uh, Soviet Union, Ukraine. The Ukrainian, Ukrainians did not want to be part of Russia, and they resisted. They continue to resist today, almost two years 
after the first invasion. Is the military resistance justified in this case? If you were a Ukrainian, would you fight the Russians or would you stand aside and allow the Russians to take over your country and have to bend to Russian authority? Starting in 1939, Hitler invaded much of Europe in the quest to dominate the world. Along the way, he planned and partially succeeded to kill all the Jews. It was Germany that declared war on the United States, not the other way around. Japan attacked Pearl Harbor. The human rights record of the Japanese was not all that great either. Was the United States response justified? We fought to defend ourselves as we fought for the safety and liberation of our allies. Would it have been better to have allowed Nazi Germany and Japan to calmly take over the world, kill all the Jews, and leave our system of government in ashes? Incidentally, Hitler was also killing homosexuals and Unitarians. The people standing in the way of these barbarians were first all, first of all, those serving in the military. But right behind them were the factory workers, such as Rosie the Riveter, and behind them were the farmers growing the food for the factory workers in the military. The farmers in Black Hawk County were as much a part of World War II as the veterans. And of course, there were many other categories of people engaged one way or another in fighting and eventually winning the war. But it was those in the military who were dying in great numbers and coming home with wounds, both physical and mental. The Vietnam War was a mistake. People make mistakes. Countries make mistakes. In hindsight, Hindsight, that war was a mistake. But people don't have hindsight when involved in some action. And sometimes it's very difficult to change directions even when you know the course you're on is not the correct one. Changing directions sometimes is itself dangerous. And changing directions in the Vietnam War could not have been done within the military. Anyone, anyone with a semblance of knowledge knows that low-ranking members of the armed forces do not make the big decisions regarding military action. Civilians can march in the street and appeal to political leaders in other ways, but those in the military cannot. Those, believe, those who believe that active servicemen and women can change war policy are deluded. In the military, one is subject to the Uniform Code of Military Justice, and a member of the military has a lot less freedom than a civilian. One does not protest the actions of the unit, and one does not leave the unit desertion without jail sentence or death. I could not go to my commanding officer and demand to be sent home because I didn't believe in the war. No, once in the service, you become a very small cog in a very big machine. 
It was and still is wrong to blame the Vietnam War on the people who were involved in the fighting of that conflict. Returning veterans coming through the airports and such that were spit upon were grossly mistreated. To a great extent, the country has recognized that the way the veterans were treated upon returning from the Vietnam War was wrong. Today, in an attempt to correct for this mistreatment, many go overboard and refer to all veterans as heroes. This is an overreaction. There are few heroes among veterans. I graduated from Penn State in the spring of 1964 and spent the summer in Idaho doing geology fieldwork. It was there one evening that we heard President Johnson talk about the incident in the Gulf of Tonkin. When I arrived home at the end of the summer, I was greeted by a letter from my draft board telling me to report for a physical. Penn State had informed them that I graduated and was now eligible for the draft. Oh, how nice of them. Because I was by then in grad school, I got an extension on my deferment. But I noticed written in red ink across the top of the folder at my draft board that I was eligible for the draft until age 36. The United States at that time was barely involved in Vietnam. I had a friend who had been in the Navy, and I wanted to be in the Navy a lot more than I wanted to be drafted into the Army. The next summer, I had a chance to apply to the Navy, and I was sworn in that fall. I had avoided being drafted into the Army. By the fall of 1965, the war had begun in earnest. In 1968 and 1969, I made two combat cruises to that Gulf of Tonkin. I earned combat pay. When people think, thank me for my service, I know there is nothing to thank me for. I was in the military, not on my own accord, but that I had little choice. But I did serve, and I did my duty as it was presented to me. But I had no ability to change the course of events outside of that. It was recently suggested that I supported the war because I was part of it. That is absolutely ridiculous. Just as ridiculous as blaming returning veterans for the war by spitting in their faces. Maybe I could have run away to Canada to avoid the draft. But that would have denied what I believed was my duty as a citizen of the United States. I might have felt morally superior in, action, in that action but I would have ignored other moral questions in the act of desertion. To avoid the draft might have meant that another person would have taken my place and might have been wounded or killed. It seems to me that marching in the streets to protest the war or going to jail for one's deeply felt conscience was a far more noble action than running away. I never did anything heroic and neither did almost everyone on my ship. The combat pilots, though, were heroic. Some of them were shot down and killed. Others were taken prisoner. Every one of them faced dangers that the rest of us on that ship did not.
But the ship itself was also a dangerous place. A squadron made of mine was blown off the deck and killed. Loaded with thousands of gallons of fuel and numerous bombs, flares, and the like, if it caught fire, it would take a heavy toll. Several carriers during that war did burn and explode, and that did make heroes of many. One of the ships I was on did have a fire on a previous cruise, and many were killed. Those veterans who, during their duties, landed on beaches amid enemy fire or crept through the jungle when every rustle of a leaf could be an enemy ambush, and those who placed the lives of their fellow soldiers ahead of their own were our heroes. So why do people join the services? Obviously, many had no choice. They were drafted. Some joined out of patriotic duty, and they saw it as their duty as citizens of the United States to be part of a larger purpose. In today's volunteer military, many join as a way to make a living or to get training or an education. Some see the glory in it. There are many reasons men and women join. Being in the service, though, is not without its rewards. For instance, I got to go around the world on an all-expenses-paid cruise. I visited places and traveled with common folks, including the poorest in the Philippines and Japan. I walked in the streets of parts of Hong Kong where no one spoke English and tourists rarely traveled. I bought photographic equipment at a fraction the cost it sold in the U.S. I saw geologic wonders. I saw sea snakes and flying fish and lots more. I also, and this is where I'm outranked Bob Robinson, I also was promoted from Pollywog to Shellback in a ceremony crossing the equator. Oh, being beaten by fire hoses and having to crawl through a canvas tube filled with garbage and vomit is certainly memorable. Oh, yes. I met and married Betsy. So why honor veterans on this day in November? What have they done over the years that is worthy of our attention today? For one, we have a country that is no longer an English colony. We are and have been since those colonial days free of foreign control. In the 20th century, Hitler was defeated by the actions of our service men and women. That, that we can sit in this room celebrating our religious freedom, that we can demonstrate out on the streets for women's rights and the rights of the LGBTQ, and that we can campaign and vote for candidates of our choice is all possible because millions of veterans have fought to save those freedoms. Without the sacrifice in time, separation from family, one's physical and mental health, bodily injury, and death of so many men and women in the service of our country, we would not have these freedoms. The recognition of all these who have served honorably in the armed services, both those alive and those now gone, is the right thing to do. Not everyone was a hero. 
but everyone was in a position where they might have been required to do heroic things. There are things worth fighting for, and veterans either have or were prepared to fight for those things. We owe them our gratitude and recognition on this Veterans Day. This has been the Sunday Messages podcast from Cedar Valley Unitarian Universalists. The music is by Nathan Moore. If you want to learn more about the CVUU, visit our website at www.cedarvalleyuu.org. And you can also find us on Facebook or Instagram at Cedar Valley UU. We welcome visitors from anywhere to virtually attend our services on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. Central Time. If you'd like to learn more about joining us for a service, send us an email at cvuupodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>